AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today my guest is Prem Akaraju, CEO of Weta FX. Weta is the extremely well-respected visual effects firm founded 25 years ago in New Zealand by filmmakers Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh. Akaraju is a veteran digital entrepreneur who joined Weta in early 2020. He's helped transform the company through the sale of some of its software and its tools to San Francisco-based distributor Unity for $1.6 billion last November. Now, the rest of the business known as Weta FX is hitting the gas on developing original content from filmmakers other than Jackson. As Akaraju says, the company intends to capitalize on the strong reputation it has among directors. Akaraju offers insights into the global content boom that he sees from Weta's perspective of receiving a tidal wave of bids every month for visual effects work. Our conversation also takes a turn back a few years to the time when Akaraju was working with his partner Sean Parker on the screening room home theater concept. Akaraju explains how the frustration of not being able to get that off the ground helped bring focus to his next business efforts. That's all coming up after the break. When you need to know, when you want to hear, what's trending, what's buzzing, from audiobook recommendations to leading podcasts, album reviews to news, Variety has you plugged in. What to Hear, powered by Audible, your home for all things audio. Visit Variety.com slash What to Hear. Prem Akaraju, CEO of Weta FX, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Prem, let's talk about... Uh, you joined the company, which is very well known, very established in Hollywood as a top, top cutting edge source of visual effects, digital graphics, um, computer generated imagery, all of the things that have moved filmmaking so far in the last decade or so. Um, we know it to be established as a very you know, state of the art company, but it's undergone a lot of changes in the last couple of years since you arrived in early 2020 as CEO. Tell us about the transformation that's happened at Weta and, and tell us why it was important to take the business in the directions that you have over the last two years. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so we have had a tremendous amount of change um, and uh, in, in the last two years, and, I, and I'm really proud of, of those changes and the success we had. The thesis coming in when I came in uh, as CEO was really to broaden um, that influence and that uh, that you just mentioned, uh, 
-hmm. so so perfectly, which was what is uh, the household name in the households that make movies, mm -hmm. um, and it's and we we felt like we had a lot more to offer to the world, and there were in, in two things um, on top of the growing the existing VFX and animation. Uh, graphics business, as you mentioned. So I knew we had more to offer the world in VFX and animation. Number two was um, really, and we'll dive in deeper for this, is a specific strategic advantage of coming in and doing original original content uh, was the second area that uh, was, was of great interest. And the third uh, was uh, really software and technology and, and um and I think that one is, that's the one that's the big headline right now, which is uh, what we were able to achieve in a very short period of time um, with, with our technology uh, software stack, uh, which we just did that deal with Unity. But those are the three areas that we really saw um, a great deal um, of, of opportunity in. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and that's what we've been up to. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you just to step back a little bit. So you, when you came in, you had, you looked at, obviously the company had a couple of different lanes of activity and you referenced that just toward the end of last year, the end of 2021, you did a big transaction to take uh, a part of a lot of the software, some of that proprietary software that Weta had and sold it to a company called Unity, which is, I believe is actually based in the US. It's a San Francisco based FX tech, tech company that couldn't wait to get its hand on all the Weta technology. But talk us through, like when you got to the company, how did you figure, how did you determine that a transaction with a company like Unity for this section of what Weta was up to made sense? I'd love to talk a little bit about the business rationale for how you decided to reorganize what made sense in a sale and what made sense for you to stay and build uh, build the company up? The company, great question. So um, when we first um, started <clears throat> um, in our, you know, sort of learning about the company, Sean and I, so I'm a longtime business partner with Sean Parker, who's also mm -hmm. the vice chairman of the company and made an investment in the company. Uh, we developed a very close relationship with Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh over years. And we started learning a lot about the technology that they built. And it was just uh, extraordinary. Um, we we both come from obviously Sean in an enormous way uh, from technology background, and we just saw that the the company had created so many tools that could empower so many artists around the world. And we also knew with the proliferation of so many streaming services. Um, just think about it. At the time, it was really only Netflix that was the dominant player. Then. We, we knew these other ones were coming online, whether that be Amazon and then Disney Plus and all these others, is that that was going to uh, greatly outpace the supply demand curve. And we knew that we had an opportunity to help the supply uh, side mm -hmm. of that by packaging our tools um, and, and taking those to market. So we were very, very good at shipping movies at Weather <laughs> Digital, 25 year history, a bunch of Academy of nominations and awards and things and uh, extraordinary work. And I started as a super fan uh, from the beginning. Before I joined the company, I still remain a super fan. <laughs> uh, and I think that's where my, my love and my passion is rooted in the amazing work that Weta does and what Peter and Fran have built. Uh, over a 25-year period, 
while we're the greatest company or one of the best companies to ship movies, we're not the greatest company to ship software. <laughs> so in, and there in lied the, the need for a partner. Mm-hmm. And we knew we can, because that's a wholly different, uh, you know, skill. And that's really uh, a licensing business. It really is. And you're in the, con- right, right. We're in a content creative, like very creative, created these tools to create the art and in service of the director. And that's also one of the reasons I feel like we have a, such a great advantage in the originals, which we'll talk about. <laughs> but we knew uh, from the get-go, we had something very special, but we wanted a partner to bring it to the world because it's, like you said, it's licensing, it's support, it's documentation. It's 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 a whole different animal um, to ship software and, and support that versus ship movies uh, and support that. So we, we started on our own to do it on our own, quite frankly, and we had tremendous amount of investor interest and we recruited a big technology team and recruited a new CTO into the company. Um, but we really figured out quite quickly that uh, the fastest way to market is with an established partner. Now you brought up Unity Software. They have one of the top game engines um, in the business, the other uh, that many people know is, of course, Unreal. Um, but the we were very familiar with uh, Unity's platform and uh, their underlying technology. We're great admirers of it, um, and they essentially provide tools to empower game makers to make games. And they were the perfect partner to then partner with us to take our filmmaking tools out there to empower new filmmakers. Uh, and television producers in the same line. So now with that big transaction and that big, you know, evolution for the company, now that that is, that is been completed, where is your focus now? So really is the other two then. So it's growing the VFX business. We've grown about 35, 40% since I've joined uh, as CEO, which is terrific uh, growth rate. So we, um, we're, can I ask what's driving that? Would you say, is it all the television shows that are being produced <laughs> seemingly every hour? It's kind of, exactly. It's like they can create, it's, it's unbelievable, right? Like every <laughs> night I turn on Netflix or so, and there's like a new, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, the, it's exactly the reason that when we turn on our TVs at night, um, new series, new <laughs> film, um, non-trivial either like big ones you know like right. really big really stars big. yeah big stars big shows and so we we have been oh yeah we're way up we we have and i'm sure we're just like other vfx companies our bids outstanding you know is is kind of a good metric of the business right like how many bids we're responding to you know, <laughs> studios call us up and we are five times the amount of bids out saying than we were you know four four years ago um and we've grown the company nearly twice as twice the amount of, um, of uh, the team has grown almost two x um, since since I've since I've joined, grown revenue 35, 40%, Just just like what you the reason that you said is just an amazing amount of content production, mm-hmm. um, and there's no big release dates and things like, you know, on the, on the online, you know, and in, in, in the streamer community that they just release them. Right. And so, <laughs> and um, so the, so there's two things that are happening. We have way more bids and the bids, the, the, the turnaround times are shrinking. Mm, they want so, it super fast. Faster. And super, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. So, so that is a major, you can look at that as a very good metric of change, right? Beyond just the obvious of grabbing our remote controls um, is yeah, there's a lot more beds and the turnaround time's a lot shorter than ever before. And so that has um, been great uh, to see. We're going to be expanding internationally. We already came to LA. Um, that was really for original content as well as the software as a service, because as you rightly mentioned, you know, um, California is uh, where Unity is based, but also where all major tech companies that we would have wanted to partner with um, and that evaluated are really mostly on this uh, side of the side of the coast and and um, in the world. And so um, that was why we were here. We're also going to be expanding into Canada and the UK and Australia um, uh, this year. I think all three of those, um, Australia and Canada first. And we, uh, uh, so we're, we're growing like crazy. So my focus is on that. My second focus is, of course, on originals as well. Mm -hmm. I felt like we have a particular advantage in that business um, because of our relationship with storytellers, um, our relationship with filmmakers. They want to work with Weta because they know that we're dedicated to the director and to the story more than um, if a business person, like I'm a business person. So if I started Weta, it would have looked, thank God I didn't. Uh, it would have looked totally different, right? Um, but thank God we were founded by a visionary filmmaker um, and visionary producer writer, Fran Walsh, because that what made it, that, that was, that, that etched into the DNA of the company from day one that, we are in the service of the director, the storyteller. We are in the service of the creative and at any cost. So if they want to have visuals. As, as Peter has proven over the years. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> yes. And by the way, all the directors we work with, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, we are doing the Avatar sequels and others. And so, yes, That's at right. any cost, it, it really is about that. And if you, can, if you look at the movies that we've been involved with, it's not overdone. You know, you're never pulled out of the story because of some overwhelming visual effect or, you know, event. It's always really, and that's why I keep saying it's in service of it, is that um, it's never underdone or overdone. I mean, the best visual effects ever is non-obvious visual effects, meaning that you're in the right. story. You just, right. it really did happen. People can fly. You never you know? see the and, seams or the wires, yeah. Correct. And also, in, in, or you see these dramatic things. Yeah, worlds can explode and people can fly. And like, you know, you're just in that, you've you su suspended all disbelief because you just believe in what you're seeing. And that's, that's the home run. And um, I think we deliver that, all, you know, uh, consistently and I think that's why it's so, so amazing filmmakers that we've had the absolute pleasure of working with and that's that was our leg up um in getting to originals um I can't name the two directors we're working with right now because we haven't announced these projects but they were two longtime clients of Weta um mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. went to them and I said hey we're doing originals and one of them said the best compliment I've ever heard and I said you know I want you to make original with us and and um and really only with us. And the, and the filmmaker said, well, you only want me to make, make movies only with what? And I said, yeah. And, and uh, filmmaker said, well, that's easy. No one else knows how to make them. So that was like, that's a huge compliment. Obviously that person had been working with us for quite some time, but it was that trust, I think, um, over mm -hmm. built over 25 years, um, being founded like by a director um, and never losing that dedication and spirit. I think is what earned us um, 
that reputation um, and, and trust in the, in the creative community. And that is something I can say that is a huge advantage for us um, in, in, in a very crowded space of, of originals. We're also very, very much um, like, like Peter, very selective. And so we're not going after a huge number of originals. Like right. you're not gonna see like a hundred, you know, on the slate and things like that. It's gonna be very selective a handful of projects that we do really, really, really well mm -hmm. versus 50 projects that, you know, we're in some kind of, you know, uh, volume game or something mm -hmm. like that. We're very mm -hmm. much dedicated to quality um, above all else. And if that means we make one movie, then that means we make one movie. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more from Prem Akaraju, CEO of Weta FX. When you need to know, when you want to hear, what's trending, what's buzzing, from audiobook recommendations to leading podcasts, album reviews to news, Variety has you plugged in. What to Hear, powered by Audible, your home for all things audio. Visit Variety.com slash What to Hear. And we're back with more from Weta FX CEO Prem Akaraju. Weta, no doubt, has the incredible pedigree but it is still such a crowded field and it's not, you know, it's to, to do really high-end content is not inexpensive. You have such a great FX business going. What, what is the, what is the real driver of going into original content? Because it's also like, it's a hard marketplace for independent companies. Do you want to go into own the sprockets? Do you think it's a licensing game like how how are you going to really make that work at a larger volume than certainly weta has been associated with peter jackson's project peter and franz projects over the years but to bring in as you say like new people and have wholly original development that's a really crowded field well um it's been public announced which is great that peter and fran are going or developing content for it so mm -hmm. that's a nice start um that's a good calling card yeah that one works um, and, uh, and the other two are, are, are absolutely brilliant. I mean, we're just fans. We just start with being fans, like, you know, and I think that that always would be a, a great guiding light, but again, we know it's crowded. Um, it's not so crowded at the top. Like when you're talking about great content and great movies, mm -hmm. right. And, um, and I think that that's what gravitates towards Weta. We are very, very busy, that's true, but we're not the biggest shop by any means. And we are not the first shop that people call when it comes to burning and churning and kind of creating really quickly and like all that kind of stuff. People call us for the big complicated stuff. Like people call us for the big third acts, right? And mm -hmm. for the big movies that are impossible. When the make. world has to blow up. <laughs> exactly, and then reassemble by itself. And so like, <laughs> it, it's, it's exactly right. So, so we're not, by any means, you know, there, there, there are many other visual effects companies out there much larger than us that, that are in that volume game. So I don't think that we're not in a hurry. Um, and, and, and again, I think quality always has a place, no matter how crowded it is. And so if you have quality stories with quality filmmakers in a, in a quality script, then I think that you're going to always find that place and it's going to be break, break out of the path. As far as a business concern, which I think was also part of your question, to be honest with you, the whole film industry has changed since we wanted to go into originals, right? right. Like, because remember, it's, I've been there for two years, but then it was been about two or three years in the planning, you know, since then. And, you know, there wasn't 
just the buyout or the margin type of business, you know, there was theatrical uh, in a much more robust way. Obviously, there were back end, you know, there was the film industry itself that had co-financing opportunities, which largely don't exist now um, for the most part. And so it is it is interesting where it's going to go, because I don't think anyone really knows, because it's when you again, when you're on you're doing a thing for Disney plus or Peacock or, or Netflix and stuff, they're buying it out, you know, they're it's theirs. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, it's hard to, it's hard to build that library and that kind of value where you can take it around the world because the, the platforms now reach around the world. They reach around the world. They're not really economically a subscription model is not a transactional model. So it's very hard to audit to get paid back in because why did someone subscribe to, Netflix was it for Stranger Things or was it for you know uh, you know you right and so <laughs> an obscure French film that you know ex- exactly yeah. exactly and so and so uh, you know that's that's hard to audit right and so um, so it, given given they're all around the world given the fact that there are subscription models I think that it, it's largely changing the business to where um, you know people have to really kind of adjust um to 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 this new way of but now there's great benefits to that too there's way more content being created there's way more risk being taken there's you know it doesn't have to be just as sort of like a superhero or a mm-hmm. comic book you know based movie it's, or a film it's, it's a, so many different types of movies and, and series make i mean for for as a as a fan of film and tv there's like more choice than ever uh in that way so there are there are great benefits and for a creator you get the chance to make squid games, right. you know, uh, or, or things like that. And so where, where maybe you weren't, you know, didn't have the opportunity to make that and have it being seen all around the world. So um, I think of it uh, to finally answer your question that you were asking, I, I don't look at our originals as any different than the other films that we're doing as a, as a vendor. It would be, it just would be happen to be that we would own or develop that IP mm-hmm. and kind of be a little bit of a, a, a control our own destiny, if you will, like, because then we can actually own this IP, develop mm-hmm. it. it. It will be pitched to those normal players, right? Mm-hmm. We don't plan on be, becoming on our own studio or distributing our own content in that way. I mean, that's certainly not on the docket right now. But do I'm, you plan I'm, to fund it? Do you plan to finance your own content? We definitely will finance the development of the content. Mm-hmm. I would actually be happily, happily co-finance the content, but I've met with many of the studios and they are not interested at this point. In That's that. What, that, that would be the, that tough deal-making environment I was referring to. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. No, they're like, hey, we'll, you know, and so- We'd we love it. We'll take all, we'll give you a little piece. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's part of the new world that I think mm-hmm. that we are living in. And again, it has, it has its- um, has its pluses and minuses, um, but it's um, it is where we are, and I do think that consumers, you know, want it right. And I think that that's the that's the high road that the streaming companies could take is that it clearly the consumers want it. There's demand for this. You've mentioned movies a number of times. Are you looking at movies and television, or are you focused on the the film business? So we are we are focused on film. We're also focused on movies right now, um, but also series. Um, but the three things that we're looking at um, that are sort of currently in development are all feature films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know you mentioned that your partner in this venture is one of your partners is Sean Parker. 
Yes. Um, who, and I know if I've got the right Sean Parker, Sean was involved some years ago now in a venture in Hollywood called The Screening Room, which yes. was probably a little ahead of its time um, in terms of a, an ability to give people the, um, the, you know, the ability to watch a feature film in your home, to be able to watch it on, you know, premiere weekend or shortly thereafter. It was a, it was a bold venture. It came, it came up very quickly and it, and it did not take root in Hollywood. Can I ask you, did you learn from that experience? Were you, I know that if I understand right, you were part of, you were involved. Yeah. Yeah. I was the founder. I was the founder and CEO of that company. And Sean was a founder and chairman. Um, and we had tremendous support from Hollywood. Uh, it was a tremendous learning experience. Um, it's funny, many of the CEOs right at the beginning of the pandemic, many of the CEOs of the studios I spoke to after like kind of like April, May, 2020, they all one way or the other said they all wished they did the deal then um, because certainly, and I agreed with them. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a, that is the same Sean Parker. Um, mm -hmm. And although there's a weatherman named Sean Parker, it would, it, and, uh, which is funny, uh, but, uh, it's, but that's, uh, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm partnered with the one who's not a weatherman. Uh, and, uh, and so it was a tremendous learning experience for me, for sure. Um, we had so many false starts at screening room, by the way. Um, made our way through the exhibitors, made our way through the studios. And what we all, what we ultimately wanted to do was just provide more opportunity and more choice for the consumer, you know? And if you paid a premium, you can watch it at home. Mm -hmm. If you went to the theater and watched it, we all love theater. And in fact, the irony of it all is that we did sign term sheets with many exhibitors, including many, you know, uh, major exhibitors um, around the world. And at one point we had one out of four screens in the US and one out of 10 worldwide signed up with us because we did the thing that nobody really would have thought of doing uh, and no one certainly would have given us credit for doing it because we're more disruptors looking is that we, we made sure the exhibitor were financially participating in an at-home viewing. So all we did was it was that model was much like Uber, how Uber makes any car into a taxi or Airbnb makes any home into a hotel room. We used our software hardware to turn any living room into an AMC or any living room into a Regal or any into right. and so and shared the economics just the same as if it was, you know, and allowed our hardware software to um, to for, for, for the exhibitor for AMC and Regal and others to expand without any capital expenditure and then we said, look, there's not too many theaters in the world. We had the contrarian view. We said, there's not enough. They're just not in the right place, you know, cause, and let's, let's use this software to light up like an Uber or like a, like the Airbnb example. Let's use our software hardware to, to create these home theaters. And if we kept the economics the same, which we were doing, we had a lot of interest from, from, from studios, but at the end of the day, one thing or another would have would would uh, would spook them, and unfortunately, we were victims of a media leak that did not come from us, um, and um, and unfortunately, that that made it a public conversation, which made it a lot harder to get get the deals done. But little did we know that a looming global pandemic was right around the corner. Um, 
that basically then greatly accelerated it to the point to where the studios just did it on their own. Right. As I recall, it seemed like a cool idea, but where anybody's interest might be threatened, of course, hackles get raised. And and you mentioned the the media leak, which I do believe was variety. Um, yes, it was. It was variety. Yes. Uh, doing our Brent, jobs. Brent um, Lang. Yeah, he's a. He, I, I begged him not to do it. He said, "Listen, if I don't do it, someone else is going to." I which said, was okay. true. I get it. I get yeah. it. I still like him. He's my buddy. On the FX side of your business, coming <laughs> out of the pandemic, both the pandemic conditions and the incredible leaps forward that we've been seeing with virtual reality, AR, AI, all the acronyms of just. There's so much innovation going on at such a high rate. Are you seeing, are you seeing like big productivity and technology gains in the FX world at this time? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, probably the biggest thing that are affecting um, FX right now is going to be artificial intelligence and machine learning, AI and ML, and automating a lot of the things. You'll never take the genius out of the creative. You'll never take that artist touch out of the equation, but you can get that artist to that point a lot faster with, you know, with, with, uh, you know, sort of machine learning and, and artificial intelligence. So I think that's a very, that's an accelerator, that's a disruptor, and that's going to be very, very um, important over the next three to five years in VFX. In AR, you mentioned AR and VR too. Those are also disruptive in positive you know, fashion for filmmaking. For example, um, we are using Microsoft um, Hololens, uh, which are the their um, their goggles, um, to to do remote location scouting. You know, you can actually put those mm. on and look around. It saves so much time and energy and environmental impact and everything you can imagine. Uh, it's speeding up the process. We're also using AR on set. So where to help filmmakers visualize um, a set or a scene, we can use iPads to actually have an AR experience through there so they can actually see what um, the virtual environment they're, they're looking to, to create. So you see an AR on set, you see VR um, in, in lo location scouting anywhere in the world using those um, and certainly v VFX in particular, um, a whole new gen it's going to be generation 3.0 now i think it's going to the whole pipeline is going to change um and uh the people are going to be the winners in that are the ones who are embracing ai and ml mm -hmm. are you and i mean are you find do you find lots of practical it sounds like you're finding lots of practical applications for these yeah. technologies in in your work completely mm -hmm. completely absolutely and um, I think also, as we talked about the, the pandemic accelerating windows uh, over there, I think the, the pandemic has accelerated the use of these um, technologies as well. I think mm -hmm. they, were, they were kind of there already, but if you right. can't get on a plane <laughs> to, do, to do something uh, and you can't, you know, then, then maybe you need to use the Microsoft HoloLens to kind of like, you know, beam in <laughs> and, and have those do, do you think obviously you know a lot of you know obviously in the worst in the in the height of it a lot so many companies had to shut down product you know television production companies came back online and had people you know doing re all remote post production do you think that any of that as we hopefully start to get out of these 
you know, these really intense pandemic conditions. Do you think any of that will be, any of those innovations that were born out of necessity in pandemic times will be long lasting in the industry and, and drive those, you know, the kind of productivity gains? Without question. There is without question. And in fact, we, you know, we have over 2000 people at WETA now. So we'll do, we do a lot of, uh, we, 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 we talk to our, our team a lot. And, you know, a lot of the things that we've made available um, technologies and choices uh, to work remotely um, are overwhelmingly um, uh, overwhelming is the, is the demand to keep that going even post pandemic, whether that be the choice of kind of a hybrid workspace where you can be at home or in, in the office uh, or in the studio. Um, a lot of these technologies, I think, are here to stay. And I think they've made leaps and bounds in technology in the development of them as well. So, and I think they should. I think ultimately it, it attacks the one killer of filmmaking, which is time. You know, it just mm -hmm. takes so much time uh, to do things. And if you can decrease that, um, you, you basically benefit all other <laughs> aspects of it. You know, it's less money, it's less complex, it's you know, and, um, and obviously you get turnarounds faster. So I think part of that's going to be remote uh, compute as well. So you have a lot of the cloud providers um, like AWS and Microsoft Azure providing compute power all around the world. So you could do these renderings in the cloud now. And so your staff can really be, you can have what's essentially distributed workforce and distributed compute. Um, that's definitely going to be part of the future. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. And please go to Variety.com to sign up for our free Strictly Business newsletter. And please tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. When you need to know, when you want to hear, what's trending, what's buzzing, from audiobook recommendations to leading podcasts, album reviews to news, Variety has you plugged in. What to Hear, powered by Audible, your home for all things audio. Visit Variety.com slash What to Hear.